may throw up on you. I think these things are pretty safe. Pander to me, kid. One tiny crack in the hull, and our blood boils in 13 seconds. Soul flare might crop up, cook us in our seats. And wait till you're sitting pretty with a case of Andorian shingles. See if you're still so relaxed when your eyeball won't bleed. Spaces, disease, and danger. Darkness, silence. Hello all of you wonderful people out there, welcome to another episode of Black and White Reviews, my name is Will, my name is Lee, and my name is Chuck, and this week we are going to be discussing the 2009 film Star Trek, directed by J.J. Abrams, starring a whole bunch of people, uh, yeah. John Chu, <laughs> Ben Cross, <laughs> Bruce Cho, Greenwood, Cho. Cho, John Cho, John Cho, John Cho, Ben Cross, Bruce Greenwood, Simon Pegg, Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Winona Ryder for a hot minute. Uh, Zoe Zandella and <laughs> and some other people. Zelandia. Chris Hemsworth. Zelandia. Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth. For a second, for like a second, he's in this movie. I'm not even oh, going to count him. He was in it longer than Renata Ryder. This is true. That's this is arguable. Very true. Did you get? I mean, they both Urban? die, but whatever. Carl, Carl Urban, Urban makes me laugh so hard. I mean, I, I go Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, and Ragnarok. And of course, I have to also mention <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. Oh yes, right. So, and then you have, and then you have Jennifer Morrison as well too. I yeah, I have her. I have her listed. I only know her from House. She's the that's only. All I know. Yeah, I only know her from House. She was fantastic have you on seen, House. Have you seen Stir of Echoes? I have with Kevin Bacon. I, I haven't. Okay, so she is one of the main ghosts or characters in Stir of Echoes as a young kid. Yeah, very yeah. good movie. Okay. So a few weeks ago. We were, I forget what exactly it is we, we were discussing, but in so many words, Chuck had mentioned that he wanted to do this movie, so we added it to the list. And in so many words, he told me that he was going to turn me into a Star Trek fan, and he was absolutely successful. He suggested this movie, <laughs> and I'm so glad that he did, because I thought this movie was phenomenal. This was great. So much so that I watched it on my night shift at work on Friday, because I had nothing else going on at work. So I figured, I'm just going to throw this on, and I ended up watching all three of them in this trilogy by J.J. Abrams in that one night. It it was absolutely fantastic, and I, I'm giving you your respect right now. You absolutely didn't. And then I tried <laughs> to go back and watch the 79 film, and I fell asleep within 10 minutes. So yeah. th- there there was that. But I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna one of these weekends um, do a binge of uh, of of other movies that he suggested in in this well in this franchise. So those are my opening thoughts. Um, I will say this: the the action. The CGI, the visuals, everything was on point. The dialogue, eh, yeah, uh, okay. It, I, I can so, take it or leave it. It's not the greatest thing in the world. The acting is not the greatest thing in the world, but it's almost secondary because you're watching this for the story, for the visuals, for the set pieces. I thought all of that was fantastic. Um, another thing that I want to mention before I even get going me being a non-Star Trek fan, I do not know any of the lore. I do not know any of the stories. I am not emotionally invested with any of the characters like either one of you would be or even more, I, I'm not invested as Chuck would be. <laughs> I felt the the nostalgia heartstrings palpitating off the screen the entire way through these movies. I was Absolutely. like, I guarantee you there's so many references and, and, and callbacks that I'm just not getting. If I can see them, it's it must be jarring to somebody like you who's been involved with this franchise since the beginning. 
So yeah, those are th- that's the way that I feel going into this. I thought it was fantastic. It was a it was a surprise. I'm I'm not gonna be overly analytic about this film because it's not what it is. I, so I'm just I'm not gonna do it. It was right. good for what it was, <clears throat> and J.J. Abrams did a fantastic job sucking me into this world. And yeah. I'll I'll leave it at that and throw to the two of you. How did how did you both feel? <laughs> we go ahead. I'll I'll wrap this part up. Yeah, you go I, ahead. I, I I'm will. actually, you know what? The way that I was thinking about doing this, my notes are going to be very sporadic. There is going to be a lot of things that I missed, things that might be very, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Obvious. I'll fill you. To you. I'll fill you so in along exactly. The way. I'm going to ask you to fill me in along the way about what's going 100%. on and 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 some backstory and a little bit of lore here and there. So by all means. You have full permission to throw your hand up and stop me anytime that you want to throughout the duration of this thing. So, yeah, cool. that's it. Um, Lee, go for it. So, so I saw this movie probably a year or two after it came out. I definitely didn't see it in theater. And I went into it saying, like, well, you know, I mean, let me just check it out. It looks like a modern version of a show that I didn't hate, you know, or, you know, a, a franchise I never hated. Um, let's see how it goes. And I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, it had... One key thing for me, I mean, anytime I watch a sci-fi film, if they have some level of time travel in it, I'm usually intrigued. So the way they did it here was very much, we'll say, less ridiculous than Interstellar. Yes. But but along the same lines of, like, you know, time, like when they got into the whole, like, well, he went through the wormhole first, and so for him, it was, like, many years. For me, it was instantaneous. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, it was a really cool that. concept that they went through and they, and they followed it over. I was like, okay, I'll take this. I like it. I really do enjoy it. Yeah. Um. But handle time really trouble. A- handle time travel better than most. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. because they the movie was not about time travel. No. Time travel was <laughs> in it, but it was not the focus. It just happened to be the thing, and it was done in a way where okay, we can. I was comparing this before. Um, Chuck and I had a quick... We took a ride earlier today, and we talked about it briefly. Um, but we'll say Terminator Genesis, for example. Um, that was the one where they're like, let's just retcon everything and reboot this using time travel because we know time travel's in this franchise. Let's just make it all about that. Okay. And they just, like, changed this whole thing. It's like, yeah, that's great. They kind of did that here, but very classy and smart. Okay, so Not that's lost a, on me then. So it's lost well, on you. Well, so, but here's, so here's the reason. The reason. <clears throat> the reason being, which they explain in here, is because we all know whether you're a, a fan of Star Trek or you just know of it that Captain Kirk is Captain Kirk, not Captain Spock. You know, we know that that's not how things are supposed to be, but we know that the way they started this whole thing off, they're like, let's find a way to change the history that all of us kind of know whether or not we know much about the franchise and make it fresh and then say, Hey, we're going to find a way to start it this way and then get it back to the way it's supposed to be. So, so it, it's good for the, for the new fans. It's good for the old fans. It really, it gave, it gave everybody what they were looking for in a movie to, right. to really grab new people to the franchise and to satisfy the old fans. You know, we'll say uh, the OG fans because they've always loved it. And they're like, okay, well, you just changed everything. It's like, ah, 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 but we're going to make it make sense because there's a way around it. And we're going to acknowledge the fact that we changed everything. So they they also, they they changed the, they changed 
the situation of what happened, but all the characters fell into place the way that the original, that we all originally knew it. So Spock always was, you know, um, his commander. Um, Kirk first was officer. always the captain. Yeah, first yeah, officer. Yeah, the first sorry. officer. Bones was always the lead doctor. Scotty was always the engineer. <laughs> um, Chekhov and Sulu were always at helm. Um, uh, O'Hara was always the linguistics. Um, those, that's right. how it's always been. Right. Um, the funniest part, which we'll get into it, the funniest part of this, when I was in the theaters watching this, and you see, uh, I want to call her Zoe, but it's it's O'Hara. When she actually kisses Spock, Gamora, the whole theater was like, oh. yeah, oh, because yeah, because Spock doesn't date anybody. And the craziest thing is in the TV show, she and Kirk, the first interracial right. kiss ever on TV was between her and William Shatner. Yeah. It was between mm. O'Hara and Kirk. Mm. It was right. the first interracial kiss on TV. And that was like huge. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, it, was a, okay. it was crazy. So... There was a there was a and the crazy thing with the original Star Trek two it was only three seasons long, but up until about I think it was like five to ten years ago it was the longest running TV show ever where it never left air for almost fifty years, which is insane. That's nuts. What else is cool about that That's is nuts. um, so I remember after so I've seen bits and pieces of some of the other movies. I bumped into it and saw this and saw that, whatever. Um, but I, I I remember saying, like, oh, because I saw, like, eventually I saw this and I saw the other ones, I you know, the 1978. Okay, Wrath of Khan is fantastic. I think I did fall asleep into it, but I did. it was just because it was super late. Um, but, you know, Into Darkness was fantastic. And I love the fact that you didn't realize he was Khan until later. <gasps> Spoiler alert. You know, but that was an amazing bomb drop because again they still carried over that like if you don't know like if you if you knew the original you know wrath of khan and then you saw this like it's similar but not quite it's, the same story where because it's like, they it blows actually your rever- mind. they reversed the roles <sighs> right. in, into darkness it's not in in wrath of khan it was kirk going khan and right and in into darkness it was spock going khan yeah, um, which was so cool about that. You're like, yeah. oh, it, it was fantastic. They did a great job. So um, for me, you know, it, it really got me to that point where I'm like, let me go back and watch and watch the originals, you know, and, and kind of see how they are. I definitely did not get through all of them. And I think I I mean, other things came up. And this is this right. is probably, geez, when was this, 2009? Yeah. Wow. Oh, so nine. that's. That's a long time. And that's ago the right thing now. too. That's a decade have, ago. There's a bunch. Of, there's a. And that's the thing too with Star Trek. There's a bunch of spinoff TV shows which I didn't get into. Voyager. I didn't get into Deep Space Nine. Did you check out Discovery? Discovery looks pretty cool. I checked out Discovery. I checked out Enterprise when that came out, which was Did you just even check out before, Picard. I haven't watched Picard yet because it's. I don't have CBS. I don't stream CBS. Peacock. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Um. But the two I've always watched were Next Gen and the original. Yeah. And they're the only ones that actually made movies, thankfully. Um, yeah, Next Gen, I've seen I've seen bits and pieces. My uncle was a fan, so I'd watch some now and again so, with him. Will, for you, if you want to watch another action-filled movie with another big cast, you should watch Star Trek First Contact. First Contact. Which yeah. is the and, first which is the first solo movie for 
next generation because there was generations which had both original and next gen in it and right. then first contact which was amazing so but in so this, i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna ask you just you know a scale from one to ten how important would it be for me to watch the show and then movie or can i just watch the movie and just watch the about, movies okay yeah, yeah, just watch yeah that, that's that's my um, issue too, and that's why I was like, because that's an a, investment. Because yeah, I was so, thinking about that before we started this. I'm like, man, I really enjoyed this film, and I want to go back and I want to, you know, watch all of this content. But that's a big barrier of entry. So right. when you watch the movie in Into Darkness, there are things that'll like when you see Into Darkness and you see Kirk go Bones. What are you doing with that Tribble? <laughs> Tribble in. There was an episode called Trouble with Tribbles, and it was all about how they just multiply, and it Great. just over- It's like gremlins. It, yeah. It just, it's just, and a lot of it is stupid, but it's just, a lot of it's um, nostalgic right now, because it's just like, literally, oh, they filmed that movie, they went out to dumpsters and found pieces of things to create their sets. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, it was a low-budget, low-grade film, originally filmed in black and white until they made it in color. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, when I was younger, my dad used to wake me up at like 11 o'clock at night and bring me out and we'd watch an episode of Star Trek at night. So it was was more of a, I enjoyed that because my dad raised me on it, but he also raised me on Star Wars too. So that's why I was always like, how, like I understand if you like one over the other, but I don't understand how, People can sit there and say, I've only watched this because I don't like this. And it's like, well, watch it. I bet you'll like it. Especially if you like sci-fi, Star Trek is one of the like epitomes of sci-fi. Yes. Um, I, I, it actually has more science fiction in it than Star Wars does. <clears throat> because have, it has time travel. Right. It has aliens. Um it doesn't have basic. <laughs> yeah, well, you know the thing is the thing is Star, Star Wars is a space western. That's how it started. This is a this is a purely a sci-fi. Right. Um. But that's that's what I was. I forgot what I was getting at before. But the whole thing that I thought was cool was when I went and took my time to go back and try to watch the originals. I'm like, let me start from the beginning. So I watched the very first episode of Star Trek. And Kirk and, wasn't in it. And Kirk was not in it. It was actually Christopher Pike. Pike. Right. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then in the next episode, he's just not there. Well, he's it's paralyzed. Just, yeah, it's just it's just Kirk. And I'm like, oh, okay. Which they held to this, too. It's just in the TV right. show. It was, <laughs> well, no, he's walking in the, in the next movie. They thick because right, they heal right, him, but in right. the TV show, we're talking about the show. He's I'm actually the, paralyzed the from the show. neck. He's paralyzed from the neck down, and all you see is this big, like triangular roller case with just a head sticking out of it. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's but crazy. it was the late. It was the late. It was what was it? The sixties. It was yeah, the sixties. Wow. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. right. so it was just crazy. But the you you alluded to the. Um, the um the the language in this what what did you what was the word you used basic the dialogue <laughs> oh yeah a lot of the dialogue the reason why it seems that way is a lot of the dialogue is from the 60s it's carried over I, yeah. it's, okay i i understand that well no it's it's mostly bones for god's sakes jim like he was the most <laughs> annoying thing about this movie for me <laughs> 
But then he I annoyed I, me immensely. Time. So I much so. I loved it because he was so ridiculous. Of course you did. I loved it because it was so over the top ridiculous. Like, I, I know he's just quoting Hank, or not Hank McCoy, but Leonard McCoy. So I, so much so that when I went back for the second, my second viewing <laughs> to take my notes, I just skipped over every part where he was talking because I did not want to hear it anymore. I was like, this is stupid. Well, the funny thing is, is in this the, is, in the original, so I don't dumb. need a doctor. I am a doctor. In the TV show, it was. You know, it was every. It was damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a. And then fill in the blank. Oh, not a whatever. One, I mean, I, I know it blank. from. I know it from Ace Ventura. For God's sake, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a pool man. <laughs> right, and then the and the funny part is too is at one point he's like, Jim goes, Jim, uh, Jim goes, I can't stand him, and and McCoy goes, I like him. And in the TV show, <laughs> Spock is Jim's best friend. In the in the TV show, um, Bones can't in Spock through the entire. Movies, TV shows, everything, they cannot stand each other. Like, at all. Through the whole thing. Like, cannot <laughs> stand each other. It's hilarious. So when you see the flip in this, it's actually quite funny. So they did switch some stuff up while keeping the basics of what the cast is all about. And then you cool, the cool thing is, is when you actually watch Into Darkness, when you see Jim sitting with the, with the picture that Leonard Nimoy Spock gives mm-hmm. him, um, that's a picture of the original cast. I got that, which is that. really cool. Only because I recognize William Shat- Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. Like that's the only reason right. why I understood what that was. That I got. So the two of you, obviously, and I'm gonna do it. Oh, two. and you forgot Eric Bana. Eric Bana was a main character in this movie as well. Too. Very true. Okay. Actually, it was He's funny. Cause, so I was watching it. Um, so I watched it again first time in a few years with my wife last night. And I'm like, oh, it's Eric Bana. And she started laughing. And I'm like, what are you laughing at? She goes, didn't he play Bruce Bana? <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> she she thought it was funny, and she made it, and she made a dad joke. And I'm like, I'll give it to you. It works. I think he was more known for Troy than he was for Hulk, though. Maybe. Troy. But he was in Troy? Yeah, with, yeah, Brad Pitt. Yeah, I know. He was the prince. Uh-huh. He oh, was yeah. the one? He was the prince. He was um, Orlando Bloom's older You're brother. right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That that makes sense now. Okay. There he is go. another guy who lasted like, he lasted like five, six years and he just stopped acting. But he was a phenomenal yeah. actor too. He was yeah. a fantastic actor. That's unfortunate. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah. the two of you did it. So, I'm going to go ahead and continue with it. We brought up Star Wars. This movie <laughs> makes me dislike Force Awakens even more than I did before. Because of how well Abrams did this. Because of how well well Abrams (laughs) did this movie and just completely fumbled Force Awakens and just decided to do a retread of New Hope. I I said that to Lee. I said J.J. Abrams did better retconning this I don't understand it's mind-boggling to me that he did such a good job with this, but then when you go to something like Star Wars, he just was not able to capture that same... Momentum, like it's mine. It's baffling. It's there's yeah. no excuse. Yeah. And, and after watching this, I I'm this, <laughs> just the 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 sequel trilogy now just has another layer of issues that I have with it. So it's it's yeah. Good 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 job. Good job, JJ. I don't understand <laughs> that at all. So why don't we? Uh, let I, I can't I can't wait to hear your notes on this because. I 
I have talked with so many people and they're like, I like Star Trek, not Star Wars. And I'm like, how can you not like, like if you like sci-fi, they're the two most, they're the pillars of science fiction, Star Wars the, and Star Trek. There's a big reason and we, and we did discuss it before, but the thing is it's an investment. People like Star Wars because they, at, at a time, Star Wars was three films. It was finite. That was it. You know, and then later on, it became six films and we're like, good. They had the prequels. Now we're done. And that was it. Whereas Star Trek had 60 years of content that if you're going to get into it, you know, people who are purists and want to know all the stuff, if they're going to get into a story, will sit there and spend like the next like five years trying to catch up on everything Star Trek that's ever come out. I'll get that's through it. That's true, in three. but Star Wars, but Star Wars had a hundred <laughs> years of books to read outside of the six movies. And so did Star Trek. Not like Star Wars. Star Wars no. books are drastically larger. Right, the because larger they were ma- because because they were making up for it. But the thing is, what came out later on is, and we found out that all these Legends books, which is pretty much everything but three books in my library here are no longer considered canon. So therefore, they don't count, they don't matter. Thanks, Disney. You know what, but the I'm po- going to do but- that. Boba Fett's not canon. <laughs> <laughs> In my mind, it's not canon. It's not Benedict canon. <laughs> All right. I like this. But 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 no, the, I think that's the biggest reason why. You know, people who are Star, Star Wars fans, they are because... It was. It had that space western feel, which was different. No, I'm. I'm just assuming because none of us were alive in 1977, was it? Um. So we weren't there. But when it came out, it was different. It wasn't so much like the space thing. Like, oh, here we go with our phasers and set the stun. And I mean, they had that too. I guess. Never mind. But you know, it was. It was not. <laughs> Whoopsie. Um no, the point is shooting phases. It, it was is different. Tight. <laughs> it was different. I think, you know, I think it, it goes it was a, little a different bit, feel. I think it goes a little bit beyond that. I think especially when you look at the first couple of films, when you look at New Hope and when you look at uh-huh. and granted I've only seen the first, you know, fifteen minutes of, of um <laughs> Star Trek the motion picture. The motion picture, yeah. It, there was no comparison. I mean New Hope oh, no. is the better of those two films. I don't think yes. I don't think I'm out Hands of line down. for saying that at all. So it would it would have been incredible incredibly easy for fans to get invested in Star Wars over Star Trek at the time. Right. That, that, for the that, movies, that's, yes. another, that's another layer to it. And then we go down the line because Star Trek was a TV show and it was meant to be a TV show. Right. And that's pretty much what it was. It, be, it started off as a TV show and then they had some movies that came out of it. Star Wars was a movie series that eventually went into TV shows. So they kind of did the opposite. You know, they did the switcheroo many, many years later. 40 years later. But <laughs> so, but that's the thing. It's like, so back in the day, it wasn't very common for a TV show to eventually become a movie or vice versa. That's that's a more modern day thing. Mm. You know, where sure. Indiana Jones had its own TV show for a long time. There was a young Indiana Jones TV show that came out at some point. Yes. After the movies. Well after, yeah, and it was a flop, and nobody nobody knows about it. it. I don't even know about it. <laughs> this is it the first I'm ever hearing it about it. Years, it was just a few years after the movie, because the movies and, were so big. And nobody cared. That's why nobody knows. <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty sure you just blew, like, half of our fan base's mind right now. There was <laughs> like, a young Indiana what? Jones? That there existed? You blew my mind. I didn't know there was yeah, an Indiana Jones they did, show. They did, they did like a young CGI Harrison Ford. No, it was Sean. It was Sean. In, in yeah, Sean Patrick Flannery. 
Yeah, I know. It was yeah. Sean Patrick Flannery. You're right. Yeah, he was Young Indiana Jones. Yeah, and him and his rope, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just stupid rope. <laughs> Just stupid rope. Oh, oh man. No, oh, that's a great movie. Thunderstruck! The second movie was better, though. Powder. Anyway, um, yeah, but that's... I, I think that's really what it comes down to, is they were different because there was a show... And then there was these movies. So right. they didn't, they weren't the same thing. It was more just like sci-fi, sci-fi. Then you got like something like Doctor Who somewhere over here too. Like when it came down to big, long-standing sci-fi things, Star Trek and, and Doctor Who were longer than everything else. But Doctor Who was like the the weird foreign cousin, you know? They were the, the, the British still cousins. Is. Yeah, it still is. Um, but but their, their production value, like... Jumped leaps Smith. and bounds, leaps yeah. and bounds since Matt Smith. Yeah. Um. Well, actually, even since David Tennant, like when they went from Eccleston to Tennant, there was a big jump, and then it well, got even from, better and better from, and better. But when they went from Tennant to Matt Smith, when Matt Smith became the Doctor, it was the number watched TV show worldwide. It was for really? three years. For three wow. years. Yep. Wow. That's, That's cool. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Will, if you haven't watched it yet, watch I'm Blink. Not. You have to watch Blink. I'm not. Just watch Blink. I'm not. Just watch Blink. I'm not going to do Blink. it. You One suggested episode. You suggested everything Doctor Who to me before. It's not going to happen. I, I tried. Blink. I can't do it. I don't like it. I'm done. You have you have to be a, for me, because you can be white he, he, nerdy. He suggested. And like Star Trek or Star Wars, but it takes a whole nother type of nerdy to get into Doctor Who. <laughs> so he suggested Doctor I fall Who to into me that. years ago, and I watched the Eccleson season, and then I no, watched... No, 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 no. Yes, yes, you did. I, I watched I, I the know, Eccleson you, you season, have. and I watched the Tenant season, and I was done. I didn't... I never picked it up again. I thought it was stupid. The entire concept, I thought, was ridiculous. And that's with I Doctor could Who, not get into it at all. And that's the thing with Doctor Who. I've seen people either they love it or they hate it. They try it out and they either love it or hate it. I have never seen anybody go, yeah, it's okay. No. Never again. With with Star Trek and Star Wars, though, like I was raised on both, which is probably why I have, uh, like, I enjoy both. I, I understand both. When I watched this movie for the first time, the way people felt, like, I felt more of the nostalgia watching this movie than when I watched No Way Home. Wow. Yeah, huh? I mean, for you, yeah. Yeah, what? because this movie, this movie, Star Trek, hit more of a nostalgic chord for me than Spider-Man No Way Home did when they brought in um, Tobey Maguire and everybody uh, else. Right, 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 right. Well, so I mean, for me, I was like, I was like that kid in a candy shop. I was giddy. I was like, oh my gosh. I actually reacted inside the theater when she kisses Spock. And I was, I was like, <gasps> like that doesn't happen. Um, <clears throat> the whole thing was are just. We really, are we really at the point where we're considering Tobey Maguire nostalgia? Well, for Spider-Man oh, purposes, absolutely, it really, that was 2000, we're really there. 2001, 2002. Yeah, but we were all grown when that movie came out. Like, it's not like it's not like it harkens back to our childhood. Well, no, but it's nostalgia no. for the sake of Spider-Man. It's he's bringing in the twenty years ago. To How now. grown were we in high school? I mean, come on, I was what sixteen. We were kids, 
Right. We, we were grown. We were grown. We, we, <laughs> we weren't kids. We were grown enough that we were off doing our own thing. Like it I wasn't... was out of high school. In oh, congratulations, old man. Were you really? Huh? I graduated yeah. 2000. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Chuck, Chuck's an old guy. So yeah, 2001. I was in. High, yeah, I was. I was off doing my own thing when I was in high school. I wasn't. It, it's not like we were kids and we were like, "Hey, can you please take me to?" No, I, it's like I have money. I'm going to see this by myself. It's not like it, it's not right. like you're a kid and. It's not like Power Rangers for us. Power Rangers for us when we were kids, like that's more nostalgic than, now, than anything now else. Now that's but, a movie that got ruined. Oh, uh. that's, that's, that's a franchise that got ruined. But anyways, so. First of all, I just have to ask Chuck, first of all, when did you get a bearded dragon and where was it for an entire week? So when my daughter moved into our home full time, <laughs> She had one at her mom's house, and she's like, "When I this was a year and a half ago." She's like, "When I move in, can I bring my bearded dragon too?" And I'm like, "If it stays in your room," she's like, "Okay." So, <laughs> about a week and a half ago, she takes it out to clean its tank, and she just let it, lets it roam around her room, and she let it out, and she cleaned the tank, and then f- changed the water and the food, and then she comes upstairs, and she's like, "I can't find him," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> And the thing is probably a good foot and a half long. It's not small. It's big. So for the last week and a half, I have been searching my basement every day, and so have they, for this giant lizard that's roaming around my basement. And then tonight, she's had food out, she's had everything, and then tonight, she finally found him in her bedroom. And I was like, oh, thank God. Wow. Was, he like, was he like in the bed? Like she goes to lay down and no, all of a sudden she's she has like, a, she, has a, she has a loft bed, so it, it didn't crawl up. The, but I'm like, are you serious? Every time I come downstairs to work out or go to work or whatever, I'm looking around for this giant lizard. I'm going to probably sit on it or step on it or something. Yeah, it was It's pretty funny, though. Anyway, but speaking speaking uh, of Romulans. Yeah, I know. So let's uh, let's let's start. All right. The movie opens up with a ship exiting a portal or a black hole and launching an all-out attack against a Federation vessel. Captain Robo orders the ship to be abandoned and then is called upon by the attackers to negotiate a ceasefire. A young-looking Chris Hemsworth, who's playing George Kirk, is named Captain. Once aboard the enemy ship, Captain Rambo was asked about Ambassador Spock, to which he has very little answers, and the current star date, which is twenty-two thirty-three oh four. He is then killed by Captain Nero when the attack continues. Captain Kirk orders the evacuation, including his very pregnant wife, Jennifer Morrison. And as the ship is being evacuated, she gives birth to a baby boy named Jim. First, Tiberius. Oh, I, 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 lo- I love the line there. It's like, I'm not, why don't you name after your dad? Tiberius? That's horrible. We'll name it after your father, James. Yes, Jim. And it's like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it was a cool scene. I thought scene. that was hilarious. It was a cool scene. Because we all know he's James James Tiberius Kirk. Kirk. I didn't know that. Uh, actually, well, I mean... Yeah, you, James what, T. Kirk. Well, I mean, except for, you know, Chekhov calls him Cork. Cork. <laughs> Cork. He's like, Wichter, Wichter. <laughs> <laughs> Captain, Captain George Kirk then pilots the ship directly into the enemy ship and dies in a fiery explosion. Years later, we then see a very young Jim who's driving a classic convertible to, st- <laughs> to, to the sounds of sabotage by the Beastie Boys. This does not strike me as very Star Trek-y. Like, like, like <laughs> this part's Beastie not. Boys, Beastie here's, here's Boys the thing. We, driving around never... on Earth in a classic muscle car and just, what? what okay, sure. We've never, up until this point, we've never seen a young Jim Kirk. Okay. Ever. So, so that's interesting then, I guess. Sure. Uh... 
His stepdad, I'm guessing it's his stepdad, gives him a call and basically threatens him, be careful with my car, get it back here, blah, 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 blah. Being very, very, <laughs> very uppity about the whole situation. You're not my dad, click. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> just turns the music on and it's sabotage, which is not the first time. Like, they, they, they did this again in... Um, Into Darkness. I mean, I mean, beyond. Um, they did this again beyond. in Beyond. That's how they kill everything. Much better fit when they do <laughs> oh. it in Beyond. I thought it was fantastic. The way that they just use the music is like, this is now a weapon. This music is net, which I think is awesome because I'm a massive music geek. So just using, using music as a weapon just to explode everything and it's sabotaged by the Beastie Boys. Like, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that that does sound absolutely familiar. fantastic. Anyways, Jim so is then- let me just let me just check this out again. So I don't have it in front of me, but the first was is it the first two movies, both Star Trek and Into Darkness, were directed by Abrams, and the third one was directed by like the Fast and Furious guy or something. I have no idea. Is that what happened? I have no I'll idea. Look it, I'll look it up while you guys talk. Yeah, you look that up. Anyways, I, I, it it seemed like Beyond just didn't seem to fit in the same thing. But anyway, yeah. So suddenly, Jim is being chased by a lone cop, and he gets the bright <laughs> idea to drive this car off a cliff, jumping out Citizen. of it before it plummets to the ground. I thought that it's was- It's a RoboCop. It's a RoboCop? Yes. Okay. It was a RoboCop. Okay. Citizen, um, pull over. Citizen, pull over. And he <laughs> he drives the car off the cliff, and he jumps out right before it crashes down to the ground. This disappointed me because it ends up going nowhere. Like, the relationship with the stepfather, why he's doing this, why he's so angry about it, just, it goes absolutely nowhere, and it kind of bothered me. That's because they're trying to fill in, they're trying to fill in what's never been told before. Yeah. Well, okay. Because they're, they're, because they're, in the they're... original, he had his dad. Okay. He never had yep. a stepdad. So, right. um, he just hates his stepdad in this movie, which is why they don't show anything. Yeah, I think the only point they were getting at is that he's a rebel. He goes against the grain, and that's it. Like, this is how he is as a kid. I'm just saying, show me why. That's all. Show me why. Because his dad died. A deleted scene. His dad died. His dad. Show me why. Okay, fine. His His dad died. That's all. His dad died. Fine. But show me why he has so much animosity towards his stepfather. Show me why his he's dad driving. Died. <laughs> so what if his da- okay? It makes a huge difference. It it just it does. My it's mom, crazy. my my mom died, I, and I did not take out my frustrations on every woman that came into my life after. And I know, but now you look like Beaker. So I don't know. I don't know what else <laughs> wow! <to say>. Wow! <laughs> Hey, on if the only if the only air. no hang on if the only insult about my hair is coming from him, I'm not gonna take it seriously. <laughs> I really That's don't true. care. If, if if the only person insulting me is you, who are you? I don't care. He's, he's you should see this guy at our church. Same hairstyle, same. I call him the Bobsy Twins. Oh, what is me? Yeah. No, first of all, he he looks like he's riding into Rohan right now. So that's 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 you're very not different. far off. I don't tie my hair up in a little top knot. Yes, you do. No, no, no. Ponytail. What's the difference? Uh, one is a. Do you tie your knot. hair up in a big? His is in a ponytail. I pull, I pull my. I pull my hair back. <laughs> okay. Anyway, can't, can't take the lint out of you. You're still pulling your hair back, huh? Yeah. Yeah. The lint out of me. <laughs> anyway. 
You're right over there. No. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Continue. So, where was I? Yeah, I was just, I, I, I don't know. Okay, fine. Meanwhile, on Vulcan, a very young Spock is in the middle of doing some very complex math equations. He is much smarter than I. All these kids are. They're all sitting in front of these terminals, and there's just they're just mouthing off these equations and these answers in just very rapid succession. I'm like, okay, this is this is cool. I guess, yeah, no, okay. It's <laughs> yeah, the Vulcan not? Academy. The Vulcan Academy. All right. Some of his yeah. classmates approach him and they start teasing him about trying to elicit some kind of blah, 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 trying to elicit some type of trying to elicit response. some type of emotional reaction. They're making fun of him for being half human. They're calling his father a traitor for marrying a human woman, and that's when Spock just loses his mind and he punches this Brad right in the face, and they both tumble down and they're wrestling on the. And it's I thought it was great, like the introduction yep. of Spock <laughs> in this movie and like to show that he can actually be emotional. I thought it was pretty cool. It is, which Absolutely. which was which is what shocked a bunch of people because he's way more emotional in this than he is in the originals. Is he really? Right. In the origi- oh yeah, in the oh, originals yeah. he is he he raises his one eyebrow and he just he is that's about la- it. he is he is <laughs> void of emotion the entire time. And Leonard Nimoy did a fantastic job at it too. Like it's it's just it's perfect. Um but he never shows emotion hmm. ever. Hmm. So so Spock is like, oh, you haven't seen that one either. So he's like the data of Next Generation, but you haven't seen Next Generation either. <laughs> <laughs> he's Brent like, Spiner is the man. <laughs> he's then giving a talking to by his father who basically tells him to repress your feelings and don't let them control you, but in the end kind of leaves a choice up to him about what he wants his destiny to be. Fast forward a few more years and a very older Spock is standing before the Vulcan Council and he's getting ready to accept being accepted into the Vulcan Academy the Vulcan Science Academy, I'm sorry, and he is commended for his spotless record despite his disadvantages. Spock asks, what disadvantages? And he's basically told, well, you're half human, so that's a disadvantage. Spock then declines the offer to be accepted into the Academy and instead goes off to join Starfleet. Yep. Yep. Okay. That was, I, I love, I love how he, his response was like such a slap in the face, but still like so proper and polite about it yeah no yeah. i'm here as a thank you it's like yeah live long and prosper or whatever like whatever his response like was was hilariously like you're a jerk and i hate you this is the but, only the only emotion bah. i want to express right now is um gratitude gratitude and yeah. then he live long and prosper then he leaves yeah, but the the way he said "live long and prosper" was such a "I hate you, I hate your guts, a bit. and you're a jerk." A little bit. You know what? <laughs> Zachary Quinto is again. He's one of those characters who sparked for a little bit and then faded off. Um, what else is he really known for besides this, though? Heroes. He was the bad guy. Oh, in Heroes. he was in Heroes. Okay, and that's he did why. Phenomenal in Heroes. Didn't that well, get canceled? And then they brought it three, back it did, for like it did, a, it did three a, a split seasons. second. It did three seasons mm-hmm. and it stopped. They should have just done one season because the storyline was great for one season. And it was just like, it's kind of like Prison Break where it's great for one season. But they, they're, they're trying to make stuff happen. It just don't stop it. Don't. Um, don't. Prison Break was great all the way through. Don't. Don't. Whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. No. Yeah, I'm saying it. Prison Break what? was great all the way through from beginning to end. 
Prison oh Break was gosh. great all the way through. I don't have a problem with the way that that ended. The season one, you're right. No, season one, two, three, and four. Like all of them. Even the movie wasn't that bad. Like well, the movie was actually when she goes to prison. Yeah, when she goes to prison and it ends with Michael dying. Yeah, that that it was yeah. fa- fantastic. Like, the from movie was fantastic. But they're like, let's go to let's go to Mexico and then go to prison in Mexico. Oh come on, the Mexico season was the best season. Oh my god, <laughs> no. Yes, it was. <laughs> let's put ourselves into prison so we can break out of prison. Well, they have to break the guy out. Like they're like it's a whole thing. Come on. Ugh. Like you have uh, to go break this person out of prison or else bad things will happen. Like that's a great premise. Right, but that was the premise of season one. <laughs> well, no, season one is I have to rescue my brother from dying because he was, we're we're not doing this now. But I'm just saying, like, it was great. <laughs> prison Break was great all the way through. Oh, my God. From beginning to end, Prison Break was all the way through. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, <laughs> off of Prison Break, and your really bad take on that show, back on Earth in the state of Iowa, a very <laughs> drunk Jim Kirk tries to pick up Aurora. Ahora or Aurora? Ahora. Ahora. Tries to pick up Ahora. This doesn't go very well because some sober gentlemen approach and a bar fight commences and it's pretty much a four-on-one. And I'm actually impressed that a drunk Jim Kirk can actually kind of stand his ground at the beginning, but he's he's immediately shut down and he's beaten bloody. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's when Captain Pike enters the enters the bar and just basically shuts everything down. So, Captain Pike sitting down with Jim Kirk and does a really good job of pulling in his emotional heartstrings, telling him to join Starfleet and going on about how his father saved 800 lives. Daring him to do better. Daring him to daring him to do better and telling him you're too way too smart to waste away around here doing absolutely nothing. Is this really what you want to do with your life? Tells him he could be an officer in 4 years and have his own shape ship within within 8. And it worked because the next morning, Jim is joining up exactly as I thought he would be. There was no question in my mind that this was going to happen. Like, that's he exactly... shows up. This is what he shows up on his impossible motorcycle. It's not even plausible that this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's two wheels that have nothing attached to the no bike. Axle. No, no axle. No axle. And it's fully <laughs> electric. <laughs> totally electric. <laughs> but it has like gas tank. Vehicle. Yet it has a gas tank. In the front of it, you can see the gas cap. Um, <clears throat> this motorcycle makes no, no sense. sense. <laughs> I'm like, really? Like they could have at least put like it, this was the one that I was like, the, I'm glad he just gives it away and then gets on the ship. <clears throat> but yeah, and the, the what's his name? Is it is it Bruce Greenwood? That's his name, right? Yes, Pike. It's great because usually whenever I see him. He plays a good bad guy in a lot of movies. Like not a very not like the bad guy, but like, like Double Jeopardy. L- he like was the bad guy. Oh, Double Jeopardy. I've actually never seen Double Jeopardy. Was that Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah, and, and it's a, Bruce Greenwood. It's a really Judd? it's a it's a good movie. Double Jeopardy's but a good movie. It is, but yeah. Bruce Greenwood plays he he does a good job. So Ashley you look Judd at people like wow, Alan Rickman. Oh, he usually has that. He's usually a bad guy. Very rarely do you see him as he a good guy. He was really great in Star Trek. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was Tim, with Tim Allen, yes. <laughs> you no, know, um, it was Alan Rickman. I know, with Tim Allen. With Tim Allen. Well, yes, that movie is is a fantastic rip on Star Trek. A little bit. Oh, and Star Wars, it's yeah. It's hilarious. Both. Yeah. Uh, it's hilarious. Most Mostly Star Trek. But but Bruce Greenwood, you're like I can see him as a good guy actor and a bad guy actor. He plays both parts very. You can he can fit into so yeah. many different roles very well. He's he not. Job. He's the thing about him though is he's so forgettable because he's never the main. He's always like right. a B or C character. He's never like front and center. So right. it, it, his face he falls in the same category as. Gary Oldman, but Gary Oldman's better. Kind of, yeah. I would have to agree with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Gary Oldman, he plays he plays supporting actors, yes. but never, not, actually, I didn't see Tinker Taylor. Was he the main character in that? I don't know. I've never even heard of that movie. Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. Well, while you're looking Shh. that up, we move on a little bit. So, Jim is on board this shuttlecraft and a very frightened and paranoid man since I was next to him. Going on about the dangers of space travel. Cracking the hull and your blood's going to start to boil. Um, what else did he say? And Andronian shingles? Is that like yep. a thing within the Star Trek universe? Because I looked it up and I'm like, this is not a thing. This, this, no, this does not just, exist. No, it's just he picked a, they, they picked a planet that is in... And they just... Endorian, I'm sorry. Endorian yeah, shingles. And yeah, it's just, they picked a planet. Yeah, they just, they just created a disease for this thing Anyways. based on the planets out there. It says the reason why he's there is because his ex-wife basically got everything and he got nowhere else to go. And then he he introduces himself as Lee Leonard McCoy. I knew that that was important. Like, I'm not lost on some of these characters' names, so. Well, he goes, Good for the them. thing is, though, is he goes, she took everything except for my bone. All I got left is my bones. Oh, which is that, why is he thing? is called, which is, well, in the TV show, his nickname is Bones. Okay. Right. Right. That makes more which sense. Why, which is why at the end of this t- at, the, at the end of this movie, he goes, you see Jim go, Bones, buckle up. Right. Right. So that's where it is. But they just gave us a little, we were never introduced as to why he got that nickname in the original. Now they gave us a story behind it. We never had that story before. Three years later, Captain Nero is at his black hole portal type thing, Majigiwo, and he's basically just sitting there waiting for Spock. But he's not going to kill him, he's just going to make him watch. We just don't know what he's going to make him watch yet. We then see Jim, who's getting ready to take a test that no one has ever passed. We then see him later on in a room making out with a green woman, which I think is awesome. Like, yes, green Now, this green woman, she is, have you seen G.I. Joe? No. Oh. No, come on. <laughs> She's one of the main characters in G.I. Joe, which I like it's the two shows I've ever seen her in. <laughs> okay. Um, but she she was one of the, the main female actors in G.I. Joe with Chris Eggleston. Um But yeah, it's this quick scene in this. I think this was just to show the two of them the way they were in this scene, but that mm-hmm. was about it. <laughs> So anyways, he's making out with this green woman, and then all of a sudden, her roommate comes back home, and he has to hide under the bed. And, oh my god, it's a horror. And she goes, and this is important, because of some things that happen later, she's talking about a distress signal from a Klingon prison planet, whose armada was destroyed, 47 ships in total. 
The next day, Jim is taking his simulation test about being a captain and passes it. Clearly, he's found out some type of way to beat this system. Later, an emergency meeting is held and Kirk is accused of cheating. Spock, who created this test, explains that the test was designed to teach potential captains to deal with their fear of danger and fear of death when they're facing it and there's basically no other option. The fear of... Yeah, so <clears throat> Spock accuses Kirk of cheating, which in the original, Kirk does fail it twice. Um, and in the original, he was the only one to try it twice. Um, and it yep. was an imp- it was a non-winnable situation. Um, there is something I'm looking up here too. Uh, the admiral that is charging Kirk with the with it was the, Tyler Perry wasn't it? Was Tyler yes, Perry? It was Tyler yes. Perry. <laughs> I'm looking at it. I, I said to my wife, I'm like, isn't that that guy who dresses up like a woman all the time and does like the, all that stuff where she goes yeah. to prison and has a big family? She goes, no, and I'm like. No, no, I'm pretty sure it is. And yeah. I'm looking, I'm like, I'm like, no, that's straight up Tyler Perry. <laughs> right. So in the so in the original, Kirk actually fails this twice, and he's the only one to try it twice. They made him try it three times in this one. Um and he cheated in the original one too. Like he changed things up. But what he did in this one was he actually rewrote the program, which is why when the program shut down and rebooted, it rebooted with a new with a new code. Um, which is why he was just acting all Smug you know, about it. Aloof. Yeah, he wasn't worried about anything. <laughs> he wasn't worried about anything. Um, He's just there eating his apple. He knows exactly yeah. what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. It's, it was pretty it's fantastic. Awesome. It's fa- I love the right. suits that are on the outside just looking into the simulator like, why isn't he taking this seriously? What is happening? And everything just shuts down. It was it was actually pretty cool to, to see this. Right. So, Spock never originally created the pro- the program. In this one, he did. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah, because that was that was gonna add that added to the disdain that he had for him in yeah. the beginning. Yeah, it makes sense. For which this, I, I thought was fantastic. For the story that they're telling here, it makes sense that Spock would be the one to create the test. Right. So, anyways, suddenly word comes down that an emergency distress call is coming from Vulcan, and everyone launches into action. People are packing up equipment. They're boarding all kinds of ships, and you're and you're la- go ahead. You're laughing. You want to butt? Go go. <laughs> no, I think this is hilarious because you you say you skip over this part, the, all the parts with with uh with um. <laughs> oh yeah, I did. Yeah, go ahead. You can you can you can fill this in. But he's Kirk's not allowed to go onto the ship because he's on academic he's on, probation. He's on ac- yeah, I, I have that. I so, have that. So yeah. so McCoy Kirk gives out he's him on academic suspension for basically cheating on the test, and he's not going anywhere. McCoy gets right. an idea to basically make him a little sick. That way he can get onto the ship. That way he can be treated by his doctor. No, I is, I just have to say this it's is hilarious funny. because I'm I'm like again this is my like my third I think second or third time watching this film. And laughing so hard, I'm like, he just keeps on stabbing him with new things. And I'm stop like, it. man, stop it. I'm, stop it. He's like, oh, I got numb, you got a numb tongue. It reminds me of blow up. It, it just remi- it reminds me when he goes over to Ahura and she's like, whoa, because his hands are balloons. Honestly, I'm, I'm watching it and I'm going, oh. I've never seen it before when people don't know what to do and they just keep stabbing you with new medications and vaccines and things like that. Like, oh, this will help. Let's just keep stabbing you. He's like, no, I can fix that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's happening? Let's just keep on taking care of these symptoms. 
he got stabbed like a good five or six times with all these different things. I loved it. Was it was hilarious. I loved it. But the yeah. cool thing is too is when he when he realizes what's going on and he wakes up to the to the the inner the um transmission in the ship because Chekhov is making a, uh, an announcement ship wide because he does get onto the ship with with McCoy, um, and he hears it and he goes and finds Ohara and then he goes to the bridge and. This is the one that I think that's cool about Spock is even even though he has this disdain for Kirk, he he, he still agrees with he still agrees and listens. Right? He listens, right? So Kirk, yeah, with his swollen hands and his numb tongue, springs into action after he hears uh, Chekhov make his announcement that they're going to investigate a lightning storm. Taking into account what he heard before from a horror about what are their names? Ohara? No. Romulans? Romulans. Romulans. Taking into account what he overheard about the Romulans, the lightning storm and everything else that's going on that, you know, basically happened on his birthday, he kind of puts two and two together and thinks that this is going to be a big trap that they're running into. And he's absolutely right. The Enterprise arrives at the destination and it is a fiery mess. The Enterprise is fired upon. Captain Nero orders Captain Pike to come on board to negotiate... I don't know what the negotiations are going to be. It's never said. I'm guessing it's some type of a ceasefire. Um, it's also important to mention that there's there's something happening that's jamming their signals, so there's no help coming. They're basically on their own. So the negotiations are he needs the codes to Earth. The Federation's defenses for Earth. Yes. And the only ones that have it are the captains of each ship. <clears throat> sure. So yeah. kind of like Smith and Morpheus type deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just that. I need the access codes to Zion. Right. Yep. He needs the access codes to get in. And, you know, same kind of thing. He Instead of juicing him like he, like Morpheus, like with Morpheus, they put this thing that actually connects to his vocal cords, which is what, you know, puts him in a wheelchair in the long run. Um they say they don't say vocal cords, they say brainstem. Yeah, brainstem. Oh, brainstem. It's the yes. brainstem that's basically it's basically this 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 scorpion that's acting as like a truth serum, which is really right. strange. Yeah. It's really weird. They actually um, stole yeah. that they took that from Ratha Khan. Okay. Yeah. Ratha Khan it actually goes into his ears e. and it creates you'll see, if you watch this movie you'll you'll see. E. Um and it creates them to actually kind of they're they're under like a spell almost where they're forced to follow orders. I don't know, man. Way. Any 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 type of bug that's crawling into any orifice of my body. Yeah, yeah I'm all set. <laughs> I'm all set. I'm talking. I don't care. I'm talking. You're not putting that in me, sir. <laughs> no, thank you. Anyways, um, we see a bunch of these enemies in the background playing around with the stuff that they're calling red matter. Now red matter. Now, is this a thing within star Trek lore or is this just for this brand movie? new brand new? Okay. It's what cre- this is what made this movie possible. Yeah. Without this, this movie would not be possible. I, I, I got that. I just figured, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. this, maybe this is something and I'm just, it, it's just lost on me because they don't do a very good job of explaining what it actually does. They just nope. introduce it like here, Red Manor. It it causes black holes and implodes planets onto itself. Yay! So I'm like, that's that's really strange. Okay, sure. Yeah, that's what that's 
That's why that's why even Lee in the beginning said this movie isn't about time travel. It's no, not time at all. travel is what makes this happen. Um time travel has been introduced a few times in Star Trek in the in the in the process. Um in a few different movies. With this though, it was always done a different way. This when you when you, we finally meet up with Leonard Nimoy, older Spock, mm-hmm. that's when he t- tells you more, you know, the expo dump on why it happened. Yeah. Um, so in this moment, no, they give you nothing. You they give to, you nothing. You have to figure it out on your own. Kind basically. of. Kind of. And it, it's not that difficult to figure out. I was just, I don't know. I'm surprised that... It, so based on what you're explaining to me about this movie, there's a lot of tie-ins and a lot of callbacks and a lot of, you know, nostalgia points that they're hitting from the original series or the original franchise or what have you. And I'm just surprised that they just made something up on the fly like this to just insert into this movie. So it's okay. Anyways, back on the enterprise, Captain Pike orders Kirk, Sulu, and some rando to go down and destroy the equipment that's jamming their <laughs> <laughs> jamming. No, he's a, some rando. <laughs> he's, he's basically you he's call some him a, rando. You call him a rando. I'm calling he him is a known, rando. But as he a red is, shirt. He's known as a red shirt. <laughs> yes. Red shirts <laughs> in the stories in the line of Star Trek, red shirts are always the one that die. Okay. Always. Yeah, they're so they're the expendable characters, and that's why I laughed so hard when I'm watching this, and all the cadets are all wearing red. You're out done. And I and I, done. and I said that to my wife, and I'm and she's like, I don't get it. I'm like, of course you don't. <laughs> it's okay. Spot. I still love it. But you. yes, we call them randos, and for sixty years it's been the red shirts. Red shirts are red always shirts. the ones to go first. Bye. Right. Well, I'm gonna follow that up with another question for you. Spock is then named captain in Pike's absence, and Kirk is promoted to first officer. Now, based on what mm. you said at the beginning of this thing when you were giving your intro, did this bother you? Not at all. I thought it was really cool. Not it did not it did not bother me because I knew that it was different. I was just I was waiting to see how they were gonna flip it. Okay. Yeah. Because I know at this point he's because what this is, what this movie is, is it's actually leading up to how he becomes the captain of the Enterprise. Right, right, um, which we never really got to see. Well, at the very end, you see it. Um, well, no, no, we never got to see before, I'm oh, saying, right. what I'm saying. Well, he always took the place of Pike, always, because right, Pike was but, the original captain of the Enterprise. Yeah, but, in but this, this one, I was, more of a I, was, I was watching, I was excited to see how it played out to where he becomes the captain. Now, right. if they ended the movie and it was Captain Spock and his first officer, Kirk, I would have been upset. Um, yeah. Yeah. But they played it out in a really well way, which is what made the whole story. I thought it was fantastic. It's clear that it was clear from the beginning that this was kind of um, a coming of age or a coming into your own responsibility type story for, for Kirk. So I fully expected yeah. him to right. be captain by the end of this movie. I just, from everything that, well, which is very, very minimal, my knowledge of Star Trek, I don't think I've ever heard a story where Spock was captain of the Enterprise. Yeah, he's so never captain of the Enterprise, like, but he does become captain though. He because oh, he does. Kirk becomes, he becomes a captain in the movies, but Kirk becomes an admiral. Okay, yeah. Okay. And what happens is in a lot of the movies, he's an admiral going onto the ship for inspection or for this or for that, and then he's never in the movies. He's never actually the captain of the Enterprise. He's always just the highest ranking officer. So when they go into battle, he has to take over and take charge. Okay, so. <laughs> Okay, so Captain Kirk went from fighting in a bar 
with a small criminal record, cheating on tests designed to teach people to face their fears of death. And he went from that to being the first officer of the Enterprise in three years. I think that's fantastic because at the beginning of this, it was like, oh, you'll be an officer in four years and have your own ship. In Wait, eight. Did, I'll do it. Actually, in, I'll do it in three. Did, and here we are three years later and he's on his way. Yep. I think that's fantastic. Great story. Did they say it, did they say it was three years later? Yes. Yeah. It's in words oh. at the bottom. There's actually. Oh, yeah. I, I missed that. OK. Yeah. yeah see, that, you're so used to like DC and, B- and Batman where they don't. They Zack don't Snyder tell you. Doesn't, doesn't tell you anything. <laughs> they don't. They just kind of JJ like, Abrams oh. actually gives you the update. <laughs> it actually it that. actually does a thing like right after they um right after you know the cadets embark on their or on their training journey. It actually cuts right. forward three years and it says three years later. It does a whole thing. Oh okay. So All right. they, yeah, they I do totally do that. was in the bathroom. So right. th- so these three men, the red the red shirt, I apologize, Sulu and Kirk <laughs> make their jump on the way down to destroy this machine that's dramming, jamming their equipment. And the rando immediately gets sucked into an engine and I'm just going to go ahead and assume that he was sur- incinerated. Like there's no 100%. way. Oh, oh, oh immediately. 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 Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. No uh yeah, no struggle, no nothing, just dead. Kirk and Sulu immediately get into a fight with some baddies. They obviously win. And, uh, yeah. The problem now is that the explosives they were going to use to blow up this thing or to time it, well, they were on the red shirts person and they're gone now. So they just open fire on this thing and shoot it. It's great. Yep. Yep. Obviously it works. Okay. Yep. Um, not, to, not to what they expected, though. Hot what? They weren't expecting it to start closing up on them. Yeah, that no. was kind of that was kind of weird. So the Romulans see that this is going on, and they just launch this red matter stuff into the hole that this thing was digging, and the entire planet begins to crumble in on itself. Chekhov needs to beam. Chekhov needs to beam Sulu and Kirk back to the ship, both while they're falling, and lo and behold, they're successful. They okay. I like I have a that. problem with this part, huh? I actually have a problem with this part. So I don't care how you do it. They were falling when they beamed him onto the Enterprise. They're still falling when they hit the floor of the Enterprise. It would be like hitting the floor of the of the planet. You think? It doesn't stop their fall and then Pam. It, it that's the and they do it a lot in Star Trek. It's one of those things where right. it's like it's they forgive it. Um, but I've always been like, now if you're falling and they're falling a long distance, like they're falling thousands of feet, you get yeah. beamed to another location with, you're still coming at that speed. Yeah. You're still coming right. at that speed. You're not stopped. And then now you're hovering a foot and a half off the floor and you slam. It would just be, you're just changing locations, but you're still falling at that speed. Um, but the way they say it is they he takes it into account for their fall and their telemetry and all their speed and he actually makes up for it quote unquote not and he and they and they scientifically make it so that it works um i i don't think it could happen i mean of course beaming itself couldn't happen but no, none of this could happen which is how they get around it hey this the whole all, thing is it's all fiction so why all, not yeah <laughs> It's all baloney. None of this could happen, so I kind of excuse it away. Like anytime I'm watching a sci-fi movie, or any or anything fiction for that matter, when something like this happens, I just I don't even think about it in the real world. Like I had a much okay. So, 
you guys remember Crank? Yes. When he falls out of the plane and bounces off of a car, and then for some reason he's alive in the next movie. Like, I have a very big problem with that. <laughs> Crank, that was uh, with Jason Statham, right? Yes. Yes. Is that the one where, is that the one where he gets he has to keep shocking himself to keep to The keep first one, he has to keep his yeah, adrenaline, adrenaline. Is adrenaline up. Or else he'll die. And the like second speed. one, he has to. In the second one, he has to keep himself charged with electricity, or he'll die. And at the end so of the like first speed, movie, but with the person, yeah. And at the end of the first movie, he falls out of a plane, thousands of thousands of feet, and bounces off of a car, <laughs> and lives. What? <laughs> That's because yeah. it kept his adrenaline going, so it saved him. Of course, of course. <laughs> so that was, the, like, I have more of a problem with that than I do with this because this is, it's science fiction, so I really don't care. Right. I actually did like it because I like I like coming-of-age stories, and I like stories where your your main character has to become, go from, from, from one character to another and just accept a whole bunch of responsibilities. So Kirk's, character growth in this movie I really liked and here the way he basically sacrifices himself and jumps off to save this guy I thought it was really cool so yeah. I, I enjoy storytelling like that and he did it like just instantaneously he didn't even think about it not even a consideration for his own life he just launches himself off to grab him and he gets beamed back up to the ship I thought that was cool Yeah. anyways as Vulcan is being destroyed Spock beams down to the surface to basically gather up and save his people. And he's kind of successful, but a ledge gives way and his mother falls to her death. The planet, uh... is, then de- the planet is then destroyed, killing, in Spock's estimation, six million people. And, yeah. I mean, back on... With an estimate of 10,000 people left, so he 10,000 now... left. Part of an he endangered now... species. Correct. They, do, they yeah. go through the whole thing. So, back on the enemy ship, Pike is being interrogated about everything that you said before about getting access codes. No, basically the codes to lower uh, Earth's defenses so that he can go attack. Pike isn't giving up any of this, and then the little bug is put inside of him, which, ugh. Yep. That, yeah. Ugh. I don't know. Yep. No. Yep. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. Well, that that creeps everybody out. I mean, they did it in the Matrix too, you know. And that creeped me out too. But that was a belly. Exactly. Button. That's even worse. <laughs> That's even worse. Something <laughs> crying open your belly button, just like going. Ugh. Okay. Which he no, watched. I, th- I thought they put it in his mouth and then they took it out of his belly button. No, they put it in his belly button and took it out of his and belly then, button. Oh, okay. They, they put it in his belly button. They shut his mouth. <clears throat> right. And then it pops back out of his belly button. Oh, man. All right. So we get a little backstory on Nero. He's very upset because in the future, he was just doing his job when his home world was destroyed, along with his very pregnant wife, and the Federation basically stood by and did nothing. So now Pike is out for revenge. Mm. Pike is going to give Nero the information that he wants by... Okay, Pike is not going to give Nero the information that he wants, so torture is the option by the way of the slug being attached to his brainstem. Yay. Back on the Enterprise, Kirk and Spock don't really see eye to eye. Kirk wants to stay and fight and rescue Captain Pike, while Spock insists that they rendezvous with the rest of Starfleet. Spock then orders Kirk be removed from the deck. He resists, knocking a couple of people down in the process. And then Spock basically just says, get him off my ship. And he is removed and shot down to a mysterious And he Vulcan nerve pinches him. 
Falcon. Which is basically what yeah. sent him. Yes. Out. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was really cool. Click. Done. <laughs> yeah, it's over. So he's down on this planet that's basically a snowy world. And Star Wars. I mean, it's... What's the name it's, of that planet? Hoth? Is it Hoth? <laughs> Hoth? Is it Hoth? It's yeah. Hoth. It's Hoth. He's basically down yeah. on Hoth. But this scene, though, came straight from... Um, Phantom Menace, when they're actually going through the ocean, and you the see fish. the fish. That's and what the I thought. Oh, yeah, there's always Same a bigger exact. fish. There's always yeah, a bigger yeah, yeah. fish. Yeah. So he's getting chased well, around by these two giant well, lizard I, monsters. Well, first of all, I I love how it starts. It starts where you see this thing coming towards him, and it's almost like he's gonna be like, "Come here, little fella. Come here, little little fella." Because you, you you're watching it, but you have no idea what it is. You and just then see you him see, staring then you into see the distance. It's, then you see its fangs, and you're like, oh, no. Like, Yeah, it's well, time it to run. It zooms in really close on him. <clears throat> right. And then what I After love, too, is the bigger alien that eats him. You, they did a really good job at making the aliens look different and not just, like, humanoid all the time. Yeah. I appreciated but that. I like the design. Um, yeah, the four. Especially, like the, big, the, especially uh, the red one, like the giant, giant one. It looked really yeah. cool yeah. with its mouth opening and the tongue coming out and the teeth all over the place. I thought it looked fantastic. Like they did a really and then good them job all with falling down the hill. Yeah, yeah, they go tumbling down this large hill, and Kirk ends up in a cave where, the old, where a very older Spock, Leonard Nimoy, is there for some reason, and he just comes out with a torch, and this giant thing just runs away. Yep. Okay. Thing hates fire. Is. It hates fire. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the but, okay. But then like you, but the but the whole thing is you see Spock turn around. He's like James T. Kirk, and he's like, "Excuse me, <laughs> yeah, who are you?" Makes sense. Yep, makes sense. So I'd be freaked out. We get a pretty big expo dump. So 129 years in the future, a son is about to go supernova. Spock tells the Romulans that he can save their planet by launching this red matter into the sun and saving their world. But it doesn't really work out that way. The sun goes. He didn't super- get there in time. He, no, yeah. not at all. The sun goes supernova, destroying Romulus, and both Nero and his ship and crew, Spock gets sucked, and Spock all gets sucked into this black hole and that's basically what's going on now. 25 years after Nero arrives, Spock arrives. Spock is captured, put down on this planet so that he can watch Vulcan be destroyed just like Nero watched his homeworld be destroyed. So it's basically an eye for an eye. Which is why now he's going after Earth. Which is why now he's going after Earth to destroy it as well. Which I love these. This is This is a villain that I can sympathize with and they're always better than just I'm evil because evil so yeah. this was this was actually really cool it was yeah. actually I mean I know we talked about this and it was always like this this the science behind time travel I thought it was really well put together you know he goes in first therefore it was what you said 25 years 25 later when years. Spock went through yeah even though for him it was it was pretty much like I was Seconds. right behind him yeah yeah but for them, since they went through first, it was a 25-year wait. And we already saw that scene where it shows him, like, here comes Spock. And it's like, ah, oh, cool. So it's, even though it was out of sequence, it all came together and made sense when this big exposition dump came about. Um, so I thought that was great. They really filled everything in. It also explained why what we're seeing happen on the Enterprise, you know, current time for us, 
is a little weird. Like, why is Spock captain? Why is he with Ahura? Why is this happening? Why doesn't he have a dad? Like, all these things are all coming together and making sense right. in this situation. <clears throat> what I so love, I too, is usually one of, the, one of the common theories of a wormhole is you don't know. It's not always going to the same spot. You have no right. idea where you're going to get dumped out at. No idea where no you get dumped out. And they kept, they kept true to that, which I appreciated. Yeah. You know, unlike if I step into this hole in a wall and then show up on this mat 30 years prior to and get shot by my younger self, um, which doesn't make sense. This actually makes sense. He's taking a jab at Looper. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kirk and Spock then make their way to a Starfleet outpost that's actually on this planet. And the goal is to get Spock... Spock. The goal is to get Kirk back to the Enterprise so that he can become captain. Yes. Evidently, this guy who's there, Montgomery Scott, is some kind of genius who discovered a way to teleport to teleport things <laughs> while they're moving at the speed of light. If he I, didn't yet. He doesn't yet. He doesn't yet, but now he does because Spock actually gives him the equation that Montgomery Scott comes up with sometime in the future. So, yes. what came first, the chicken or the egg? In this right. case, the chi- the chicken because it was exactly we already saw the original timeline. Why does this bo- I, this bothers me? Like it it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. I'm sorry, but th- but things like this this is the part of time travel in this movie that bothers. I agree with everything that you said, Chuck. The way that they do it, the wormhole, the, the or or black hole, the way that they're traveling, that's all perfect, well and good. But the so, fact that so Mon- but the fact that Montgomery Scott comes up with an equation in the future, but at this present point in time he doesn't know said equation. Spock has to give it to him. This cannot happen. Like like so just so here's here's my theory. Theoretically, this cannot happen. Here's my theory with time travel. You know, and this is why it's always like there's different alternates, alternate, 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 all these different versions. And that's why you've got Doctor Strange seeing all 50 million outcomes of this and that, because it's it's all just like these multiple different things that could happen. Now, let's just say we're walking down the street and we do something that we weren't supposed to do. We may have been the first one that did something different for some reason. And then from that point on, it creates a cycle. But before it wasn't a cycle until we did something differently one time, you know, no fate, but what we make type thing, you know? And at that one point we take that, we take that different direction, that different step, you know, we skip one step or whatever. And it, it creates a new cycle. So the way I see it here. They're kind of going along. I mean, even in the end here, Spock is like, well, I told him something about like, you know, paradoxes and this and that. He's like, eh, you know, it's, he's like, so you lied? No, I just implied, you know, whatever. But the point was, it, it was, yeah, that would be true. But we're going to throw all logic out the window because we want to make the movie. <laughs> um, but my thought has, has always been, yeah, this may have always happened and it's a big cycle or there was the one time this happened and created a new time cycle. Well, in this case, what happened is Spock, when Spock travels back in time, he's like, a, uh, the, he's a hundred years into the future. 
126 years. 129. So, right. 29 years. Sorry. So Kirk, Sp- Kirk, Scotty, those guys are all dead. He knows the equation that Scotty in the original series. Right. He knows that. So when right. he comes back. <clears throat> he gives already... him the equation sooner than he would have found it right. out. Right. So in so this therefore... new timeline. So in this new timeline. If you were to actually look at it in a historical sense, Spock is the one that created it, not Scotty. Well, not created it, but knew it and passed it on. Yeah. What I'm saying is one who introduced it. This um, this this gentleman is the very definition of a paradox. Yes. Yeah, this absolutely. is something that cannot happen. Right. Right. Because then how does Spock learn about it? Well, well, Spock learned about it because there was a different timeline that had a different history. Now, if younger Spock no, came over and Scotty, gave it to him, that would make the sense. Uh, uh, it, it, this is my point. It's about a new cycle that's begun. It's begun at this point because what Spock did, it changed what happened, and it's a whole new timeline. There may be some other timeline happening where Spock didn't go through a wormhole and things continued going the way they were, and that was it. Nothing changed. However, they did that. They because did a whole he did go sixty years of that. Yeah. You know, but then there's another timeline that we're watching here where he did go through the wormhole and therefore he gave that information to Scotty ahead of time. So this is what happens. We brought up a movie that has time travel in it that's not focusing on time travel, yet we're focusing on the time travel of it. Duh, we're going to do this. But that's that's why my theory is like, you know what? We can be nitpicky about time travel or expect and accept that it's not going to make any sense no matter how much how much we argue about it. But the reality is, in here, it's like it makes sense in some ways and it doesn't make sense in other ways. They could have just very easily had Scotty say, well, I've been tinkering around with this equation, and they just have Spock say nothing because he's right. Uh-huh. And just wing it. Yeah. That's their out. Man. It's so simple. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy not to do well, it this well, way. Well, he was tinkering with it, but he lost the Admiral's prize beagle because of it. Oh, oh, oh my god. Okay. Spock he lo- just he... Spock just Spock just tweaked what he was already working on and said, This is the actual equation. Yeah. Um I don't like it. Anyways. So, Kirk fully expects Spock to come back with them because otherwise, how is younger Spock going to realize that everything that Kirk is saying is true? Spock says, under no circumstances can you tell him of my existence here. That cannot happen. You have to promise me this, and blah, blah, blah. And it, it, it's, I like where that goes. I, I do. I just, I don't like it here for some reason, probably because the scene prior and the whole explanation and the paradox was created just left a bad taste in my mouth about this entire scene. So, Kirk is basically instructed by older Spock that he has to prove that younger Spock is emotionally compromised and he has no other choice but to step down as captain. Kirk and Scott get, get into their teleporter and they're basically beamed onto the Enterprise that's going at light speed, which I, okay, sure. All right. Well, that's that's what that's where Scotty was like. Oh, I never thought of space being the thing that's moving, moving. Right. Sure. Right. Which, which I'm like, ooh. So the Enterprise is standing still, and space is moving. Sure, it is. Uh, pretty cool. 
Well, no, it's not really. It's just that's just how he figures out how to. That's make the, the explanation work. here. Right. Right. I've said my piece. I don't like it. <laughs> Kirk immediately gets in Spock's face and just starts pushing his buttons. How you can't fail anything, and you watched your world get destroyed, and your mother was murdered, and he ends everything by saying you never loved her, and Spock snaps, and he's punching and shoving them all over the place, and it takes his father saying his name in a very serious tone to relax him. Spock then relinquishes his command as captain because he is emotionally compromised, and Kirk takes over as captain of the Enterprise. If Spock's father was never there... Spock would never have stopped. No, probably not. Nobody on that ship would have stopped them because he's the captain. Probably not. But his father is like, I'm not on the ship as <laughs> a crew member, and I'm your father. I'm your yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Daddy says stop. Which, which for this guy, I forget his name, but my first introduction to him, he was the bad guy on the movie First Night with um, <laughs> with Richard Gere, okay, and Sean Connery. Um, he was the bad guy. And on this one, he played a fantastic job as Spock's father. Like he was fantastic. I would have to agree. Um, he was great in this movie. He fit the role very well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So Kirk's first order is that they're going to engage with the enemy and rescue Captain Pike. Spark then has a heart to heart with his father about his anger and his mother and about his anger and his mother and basically comes to terms with everything. So his story arc is kind of resolved here in a way, I guess. And he's basically just going to go with his gut and he's going to let his feelings go out. Great. Perfect. The The way that this ended here was a bit clunky. Like I, I, I expected a little bit more to happen with the storyline to like evolve his character, not just, Oh, daddy says everything is okay. So I guess everything is okay. Like, dude, which I would, I would normally agree with you, except that it's Spock. Spock. You know what? Then maybe it's a good thing that that character and, 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 and his makeup is lost on me because I'm this. Uh. Yeah. Spock, the Vulcan race. When, when, when they go through the Vulcan science Academy, they give up all connection to emotion. They they dump it basically out of their system. Okay. How they do that, I have no idea. But Spock is basically emotionless for sixty for the hundred and twenty nine years before he comes before you see him in this. Um, so to see him struggle with emotion, he allows the logic. It's because he's logical. Logic overrules emotion with Spock. He logically rationalizes it away. And that's why it's so clunky. But when you watch it, you expect it to be clunky because you're like Spock showing emotion doesn't make sense. Spock rationalizing it, the emotion away through logic makes sense because it fits Spock's original character. And I understand that now, like in the middle of this conversation that we're having, but you have to understand when I first sat down and watched it, this is my introduction to this fan- franchise. Right. I know right, right. nothing of Spock. I know nothing about, you know, whatever emotional entangles he got going on or lack thereof. I'm completely lost. So when this ended as clunkily as it did, it, whatever. But after hearing you say that, maybe, you know, in a couple of years, if I decide to revisit this movie, maybe I'll see it then with fresher eyes and I'll be able to, you know, appreciate it for what it actually is. Or maybe when I go and I do, you know, a binge of some of the older movies, I'll be able to appreciate more there as well. But right now, like as it stands, it was 
right. weird. Yeah, from from your perspective, being the first time watching this, I could see why it would feel that way. Yeah. 100%. Anyways, so, here's the plan. Spock and Kirk are going to go down to the enemy ship. They're going to steal the black hole device and rescue Captain Pike. Once the two are on board, they immediately get into a gunfight with a couple of baddies. The drill machine is attacking Earth, and Kirk and Spock come across an... Wait, Kirk and Spock come across... Yeah. Okay, Kirk and they do. Kirk and Spock come across older Spock's ship, and it doesn't take long for younger Spock to put the pieces of the puzzle together because the computer's face analysis welcomes back Ambassador Spock, and then younger Spock basically asks, "What's the manufacture date?" And it's way into the future, and cool, everything is uh, everything is going great right now. Okay, yep. <laughs> I, I must have missed something because the end plan. For younger Spock to basically drive this ship the way that it goes, was it explained? Like, did they have a conversation about what they were actually going to do, or they just jump into it and do it without explaining anything to the audience? They just jump into it. They just—that's what I thought because I was like, "Did I wait a minute? Did I miss something?" And I really didn't have time to go back and watch like ten minutes of it. Right. So check before before when Spock comes back on, Chekhov's having a conversation with. Um, Bones and Jim, and like, how old are you? I'm 17. Oh, he's 17. You know, he's going into how you can, you know, if he if he uses the the Saturn's rings to disguise him, he comes up behind Titan's moon. Which I will say, one of my favorite scenes physically when they leave um, warp speed and they're in the the fog of the moon mm-hmm. and they are the, the rings and they start rising up out of it. I think that really looks cool. So shot. cool. Yeah. Such a cool shot. Um, like it just puts the enterprise on display in such a cool way. And it actually, the way JJ Abrams makes the enterprise look in this is really cool. Um, yeah, I like it because the enterprise in of itself is a character in the movie. Um, Kind of like Millennium Falcon is in Star Wars. It's you know, there's always oh, yeah. been a yeah, question. Yeah, that, that is, which, wasn't lost on me at all. I can I, I got right. that one hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah. it's like which ship is you know almost more popular, the Falcon or the the Enterprise. Um, I would I but, would say the Enterprise just because of longevity. Depending on who you ask, to be I, honest I know with you, I know it's I know it's subjective, but I'm just saying, right. like in terms of how long the Enterprise has been a thing, and how right. many people, like how many fans, identify like a lot of their childhoods with that ship, I would I would have to say the Enterprise, just, right? Just on terms of that alone. And I actually appreciate that they didn't tell us what the plan was; they let it just roll out. Yeah, um, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yeah, because it was really cool to watch. Like the whole thing was, and I, some of the stuff it actually made Spock funny. Like when he's like, and Kirk goes, "Do you know how to fly this thing?" He goes, "Something tells me I already have." <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. That was really he cool. got it. That was a he moment. Got it. That was a really cool moment. So while Spock- and he's like fascinating, which those are things when he says like fascinating, that is a quirk of Leonard Nimoy as Spock in the original. So there are, you know, things in here that they drew out of the originals that they kept in it um, to allude to the originals, to give fans like myself that like, oh, so you're actually really is Spock. You're actually getting into something in, in the way that I'm thinking about how I want to end this, and we're almost there. We're almost done. Yeah. This is going to yep. be a real short one. 
Kirk and Nero, they have their fight, while at the same time, Spock is flying around on this little ship, and he's shooting the chain that's dangling this drilling machine over Earth, and the machine basically falls into the San Francisco Bay. I am shocked that they did not destroy <laughs> the Golden Gate Bridge in the process. It was right there. It would have very easily fit into this movie. I'm amazed so, that something like that didn't happen because it always happens. I, I was anytime I was we're watching an action movie or any time of superhero movie or 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 science fiction movie, when you see the Golden Gate Bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge gets destroyed. I'm amazed it e- did not happen here. So. Either that or either that or Danny Tanner is going to be riding across. That's because Starfleet Academy is right there. And they can't destroy so, Starfleet Academy. Okay. I, I was laughing when I first saw it when I was like, oh, they're 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 blasting a hole into Earth. And I'm like, I bet you it's near some important landmark that we all know <laughs> because it's Earth. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, and it happens to be exactly next to Starfleet Academy. What a coinky dink. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's crazy? Perfect is Starfleet Academy in real life is located in San Francisco. In real right next life? To the bay. In real life. There is a real-life Starfleet Academy in San Francisco. Is, it, is this part of Space Force? No, it's real life. You can go to real-life Starfleet Academy. Makes sense. In San Francisco. Makes sense. How, ma- how many fleets do we have in the stars right now, Chuck? None. None. But you can go to an actual, they have an actual Starfleet Academy in San Francisco on the bay. What? What does that mean? Starfleet? Starfleet? Starfleet Academy. Okay. There's an actual... It's Obviously, it's not the actual Starfleet Academy, but you obviously can go to... Not. But you, they have an actual Starfleet Academy in San Francisco. But there are no Starfleets. Is it attached to the Air Force? I don't know. It's not attached to any military. It's oh, okay. Just, never mind then. I was thinking like maybe... It's well, a it joke. It's a Star Trek fan thing. Oh, is it? Right? I don't know. I don't know. It's exactly not a military. It it's not part of the military. It is a Star Trek fan. It's a Star thing, Trek correct? thing they made. Okay, then that's very different than you saying. You like, had hey, me. We're, yeah, we're sending man, people that, out that, to the, some that was a little misleading. <laughs> that was a little <laughs> misleading, saying. Chuck. So, so I because there's because so, there's, so there's like only how, there, listen. There's only two marine bases in the states. One is Paris Island, and the other one is off the coast of California. Right. And you saying that there's actually a Starfleet Academy out there, it's alluding to it being attached to the military because there's actually <laughs> things out there. So it's like you, yeah. you could have led with, oh, there's actually a fan-made thing out there called Starfleet Academy. You could have led with that. You didn't have to say, oh, there's okay. actually a base so, called Star- Dude. So, 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 so what I mean by that is <clears throat> Lord of the Rings, they made, um, they did The Shire. In Lord of the Rings. In The yeah. Hobbit, they redid the Shire, but it's actually there. So you can go to New Zealand and actually walk around the Shire. That's yes, on set that's cool. It's but, now a real thing. But if you went there, you will not see little halflings running around no. smoking pipe weed. <laughs> that's my point. <laughs> it's not real, Chuck. It is a fictional thing created f- because of movies. Okay, got it. That's like saying, "Oh, well, if you happen to want to see the real Millennium Falcon, you can go to Univ- you can go to Disney and go down to Galaxy's Edge." Really? Yeah. It, and does it go? Can can it make the castle run in under twelve parsecs? You know, like no, it can't. You know why? Because it is a fan attraction. It's not real. 
Don't what do meant, this to I, us, What Jack. I meant by that is it's a, it's the, you can actually go to a real-life place for Starfleet Academy. <laughs> yeah, of course. Let's not, mince, let's not right. mince words right now. You know what I'm saying now. <laughs> I, I, know, I know now. We know now. <laughs> it's just the we way, thought, it's just the way that you, like, got you all really... serious and your eyes lit up. There's actually a Starfleet Academy, guys. Like You can go to San Francisco and go to it. It's pretty cool. So if if we don't hear from Chuck, we know where he is. He's at Starfleet Academy. I've never been. So, so we can go where boldly where no man has gone before. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, let's continue. Anyways, so as I was saying, so yeah, as I was saying, this drill gets shot out of the sky and narrowly misses the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm still amazed that it didn't crash right into it. I think that would have been it was, awesome. It was right next to it. It was right there. It's right there. So this this almost goes along with what you always say. It's like, you know, but there was no consequence. Like, why was there no consequence here? You know, like, you know, None. it's all about like, you know. Zero. So it's like. It falls into falls the water into Earth. and does nothing. Nobody on Earth really cares. I mean, nope. Starfleet Academy, which apparently is a real thing, looks over and goes, oh, look at this. And then that that's about it. Like, what it doesn't mean, go no anywhere. consequence? No consequence <laughs> Nothing else to happens. Nothing happens. Nothing else Nothing happens. Nothing happened. Nothing happens. Anyways, let me. <laughs> no consequence to what? He just lost Earth. six million people. Not on Earth. Not on Earth. He didn't like. There Nobody was no consequence to happening on Earth. Like they go through the trouble of, of of flying to Earth. They're going to drill into the ground and they're going to launch a bomb that's going to implode in on itself and create a black hole where Earth is. And they have the perfect opportunity to be like, "Hey, let's just let's do something to show the significance of what's actually going on here." And they don't. They can't even destroy a bridge. Like <laughs> nothing happens, and it just. I don't know. I don't know. Like. like uh, and that's why I, mean, I said at the watch, beginning. We watch Independence Day, and it's like blow up every landmark you can possibly blow we're up. We're gonna and blow up this, the White House, and we're, and we're like, "Hey, this thing just kind of fell next to the Golden Gate Bridge," and we're all like, "Come on!" Like, I know it's cliche, but we still want to see it. Every land, it down. every landmark in New York was obliterated in that Jeez. movie, but here <laughs> it's like everybody's just driving along the bridge, and everybody's gonna be fine. <laughs> I don't know. That's just, that maybe that's just that's just me. Like action movies, sci-fi movies, this is like commonplace for like a movie to do like Earth is gonna like there's gonna be some damage. Just destroy the bridge. It's right there. Well they saved that all for the next movie. I guess. The next the next movie it gets ripped apart. <sighs> oh, the Golden Gate Bridge? No, no, Earth, Earth. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I think it should just be the Golden Gate Bridge. The movie starts off with the bridge just falling over, and there's not really an explanation. You just go, oh, yeah, remember when that thing fell? Well, apparently it did more damage than we realized, and it just, the one strong wind came through, and it just fell over. Oh, oh okay, good. So, so in the end, Spock flies this little tiny ship filled with all the red matter into the enemy ship, Kirk yeah, rescues a giant ball of red matter. <laughs> Hang on, Kirk. Kirk is able to rescue Pike, and all three are beamed back to the Enterprise before the enemy ship can explode in spectacular fashion. From two different locations. From two different locations. And Scotty's three never people done that before. From two locations to one pod. Yeah. And again, the thing is, though, and again, because I'm not a Star Trek fan, the significance is lost on me. So if you want to go ahead and explain how important this is. Well, imagine trying to lock on to two different targets, basically. Scotty is like the ultimate 
genius tech. Like he can make yeah. anything happen. Cool. So in the next part when he's like, I've given it all she got to captain. Like that's a yeah. huge <laughs> line that's in like almost every, like when they're in a the thing and captain Kirk is like, he's like, give her more and more. He's like, I've given her all she can take. You know, Yeah. that is a common line from Scotty. But then when he's like, if I, if I launch the dilithium chambers, you know, whatever it is. And he blows it up. Um, yeah. He always finds this way of getting out of this. Imp- like when you're when they're in that black hole, and he's and he's like maximum warp. He's like we are at warp, and they're standing there. <laughs> that like blows they're my not mind. moving, and they're so at cool. maximum warp, and the that ship so is just awesome. getting ripped apart. Um, when he blows up, that's just showing another way of Scotty thinking outside of the box. And the cool thing that they use Simon Peg for, which I appreciate, is the original Scotty. Um, was an English actor playing a Scottish character, and then when they used him in Peg. They used an English actor playing a Scottish character, um, yeah. which I thought was really really cool. Yeah. Um, but to, Simon to Peg was a great that. choice. I I really feel like the casting in this movie was fantastic. Everybody fit oh, in yeah. well. Yeah, uh, Carl Urban. I loved him. <sighs> I thought he was fantastic. I, I mean, he was fantastic. I'm just I. I I laugh at it every time he says anything because he sounds so like his dialogue is so out of place. Yeah, it's, but have you seen yeah, but DeForest Kelly's character as Nim as um, yes. Leonard not as Leonard Nimoy as um Bones is also yeah. out of place. It's the same thing. Yeah, but but that was years ago where it could be like forgivable, like for you know for for God's sakes, man. Like that made sense back in the 60s and 70s. Now, hearing a guy say that now and with everything else being so modern, it's like, for God's sakes, Jim. It's like, it. all I heard was Ace Ventura. All I heard was Ace Ventura when he's in the pool looking in the filter. Like, when he does all the Star Trek references that entire time. Right, but that's because he, he's doing all the Star Trek references. Right. So and he's playing a Star Trek character filling in that role. It's a caricature of the of the characters. And that's what I felt that Carl Urban was doing here. He was basically doing a caricature of of you know of the character there. I thought it, he did it so well. I, it, I thought that I, he was... I liked it. I liked it. I'm not against it. It was just like that was the one thing where I'm just like, ah, oh, I wonder if there was another actor who could have pulled it off where it seemed a little more believable. No, but the little. thing is, though, is is DeForest Kelly was that over the top. Uh, he was. It's, that... it's one thing to be over the top. It's another thing to to be speaking dialogue that's like obviously not comfortable for the person who's speaking it. You know, I'll give you an example. So one one of the last things I remember doing in acting, I was in a character, and I remember the line. I was reading a line like verbatim and I said this line. I'm like, I do not care who's tired. I do not care this. And I'm thinking, I'm like, what is this? A Dr. Seuss book? I'm like, that's how it's written. The director's not here and nobody's guiding me. Otherwise I'm going to read it word for word. I didn't, I didn't say don't, I don't care who's tired or I'm, or I do not care who's tired. Like, I could have changed it up. No, I read it word for word, and it was very uncomfortable, robotic, and weird sounding. And that's what was happening here. Nothing against Carl Urban. Nothing against the way the character's written. I just feel like it was very, very out of place, where it sounded odd coming out of his mouth, where it he doesn't look like somebody who would 
say that the way he said it. It didn't fit. I it's think not, it's not so much just over the top, more just like eh, it just didn't seem like natural. I think the problem very is, unnatural. We kind of we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. I think the problem with a lot of the dialogue in this movie is I think the two of you are right. It was written in the fashion of yesteryear, and it doesn't yes. exactly translate very well to modern day. I think that's well, one of the t- biggest they, mistakes. They, I think that's tri- one of the biggest they... mistakes with these three movies is a lot of the dialogue is so. What? <laughs> the, the next two movies back off from it a little bit more. They yeah, did of course, that, because they, they already did hooked that you. a lot in this movie. To, I mean, to come hook on, everybody. I mean, come yeah. on. Uh, no man, you're amazing. Like, yeah, it's the same thing. It's the well, yeah. It's the same. It's they went over the top on how they alluded to both. Um, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man in that and it's like no man you're amazing yes but that was Same. a line as opposed to an entire character's dialogue yeah right but they but they alluded that's, that's, to no, that but that's that's that further it's more than that it's one line compared to an entire movie's dialogue eh. right but they this did that whole on purpose movie is and then doing they that. back off from that in the other two movies they do they did that solely they did that solely so that people like me and other people who have grown up on the originals can connect the characters because if they had the original characters still doing that today, that's how they would be. Maybe that's maybe that's one of the reasons why I didn't have a lot, a whole lot of um, attachment to any of these characters, mostly because of the way that they were delivering their lines, the way that they were talking, their the the dialect that's going on. It's 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 a little bit too much for me. The other films, the other two movies in this um in this trilogy, I like much more than I like this one. I I think this is mm. the weakest of of the three films, and I think um I think Beyond is actually the strongest. I like Beyond a lot. But anyways, let's uh let's wrap this up. So, the Enterprise in their final stand, they fire upon the ship, destroying it and getting as it's getting sucked into the black hole that's been created by all the red matter. One final issue. The Enterprise is now in danger of being sucked into this black hole, so a brilliant plan (laughs) is hatched to let some explosives loose so that it propels them forward just enough so that they miss it. This is something else I didn't like. I think it would have been much more interesting if they just got sucked into the black hole and they were in some other place in time and space, and and they were just on their own for the other two films. Yeah, they could have. I think that would have been much more interesting than doing what they did here. But this again just alludes back to the original where Scotty and his genius gets him out of all these crazy fine scenarios. Fine. fine. By doing something that uh like ejecting the core. Cool and exp- and detonating it. Makes an explosion big enough that blows the, that propels them outside of it. Sure. Um but that's but that's what again they allude to they're just this this whole movie as much as they retconned it and rebooted it it's 50% that and it's very much so a very big nod to the to the originals cuz they wanted to they did the fan base of the original is so big they did not want to lose that and if they had gone outside of that they would have lost so much fan base because of it especially if they had redone any, if they had done any other captain or any other series aside from Next Generation or the original, 
They could have done whatever they wanted and there would be no fear of anything. But they are touching something that is going on three generations that has been around since the 60s that have had such a fan base like no other. They had to tread water carefully on how they did this. Um, and when they performed it, when they, when they when they delivered it, they did a very good job with it because it attracts people, like Lee was saying, and like yourself, they watch it, and now all of a sudden they like Star Trek to a degree they've never liked before. I would have, but the original fans are still going. Ooh, I love how they attached all the original stuff to this movie. I okay, despite how this movie ended, whether I got the ending that I wanted, where they just get sucked into this black hole, I still would have wanted to go back and watch the original uh, films. I still would have right. done that regardless. I just think it would have been a little interesting, and I have to say a little originality like a little different i don't think that would have hurt all that much that's but that's just me that's just you know my, my well they do that it. in the next two films this film was more of a you know let's give the fans let's what they give want. the hardcores what they want and then the next films that's why the next film if when you watch wrath of khan you'll see that the roles were switched like they went very different with it okay um that's and next on my list. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch uh I'm gonna watch Wrath of Khan. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a great sto- the Wrath of Khan storyline is phenomenal. Okay, um, which is what makes it such a great film. Okay, the storytelling was great in that movie. Okay, <clears throat> so anyways, mission successful, and they avoid getting sucked into the black hole. Later on, Spock meets Spock, and younger Spock is told that Kirk and him need each other, and the only reason why he, he didn't interfere. Go ahead. I said he and Kirk. Yeah. What did I say? <laughs> Kirk and him. Oh my gosh. He and Kirk. Sorry, I was, needed, I was channel, channeling my inner Chuck. He and Kirk need each other, and he didn't want to interfere in what the beginning of their amazing friendship was going to be. In the end, Kirk is officially named captain of the Enterprise, and he's ordered to relieve Admiral Pike of his duty. In the final scene of the crew preparing to embark on another journey, Spock is named first officer. Then Leonard Nimoy gives his famous Final Frontier narration and the Enterprise is off and roll credits at the end. Well, you say his famous. It actually wasn't his famous, was it? It was Shatner's. Okay, fine. It was Shatner's. Okay, the the famous Final Frontier narration. Is that better? Right. Well, yeah, but I thought it was great that they gave that to Leonard Nimoy. Um, cause he died shortly after this, right? Yeah. 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 It wasn't. It wasn't very long after. It wasn't this, long so after this. It no. wasn't long after this. It was after. The, well, unless he died during the filming of the second movie, because he's in the. Well, second I mean, he, movie. he no, he he died in 2015. So okay. Yeah, six yeah. years later. Right before Into Dark, uh, not right before Beyond. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, like I was saying. I thought the same movie... with um, same with um, Anton Yelkin. Right, he died he before died. Beyond. He died in the middle of Beyond. Before he yeah. died after filming in the middle of production. Yeah, hmm. but what's cool is when they when he goes into his into the famous you know space, the final frontier. It's the right. same music as the original as well too. Yeah, they went which back, which I thought was really really cool. Yeah. Um, it it was basically giving you the chance to be like, hey. All of this was like a prequel, a prequel to, you know, the original um, Star Trek. Right. This was like, was, this was yeah. like almost because 
the five-year mission, that's what the original Star Trek was, was this five-year mission of going out and exploring space and going where no man has gone before. Um, and then the movies took place, and the movies are not about going on a five-year mission. Um, but yeah, this is this is almost like the Rogue One of Star Wars, where it gives you a the what happens. How did Kirk become captain? Just in a new in a new timeline, um, because because Kirk does not don on the yellow captain's shirt until the end of this movie mm-hmm. he's wearing all black he's not right he's not even a crew member he's not even supposed to be there <laughs> right um which i thought that was really cool how they did not give him an actual shirt until the very very end because he was not actually captain until the very end i had no idea that the shirts were significant at all yeah so blue is medical okay yellow is like the captain and um, bridge helm. Red is um, engineering um, for the most part, or <laughs> the rando who dies. <laughs> yeah. yep. Pretty much. Um, those are the three main colors. Um, and then in the movies with Kirk, they all, the, the cadet uniforms that you see them in in here, they wear very similar uniforms in the actual movies where they're wearing all red and the, the collars actually fold on one side um, to it. And then when you get to next generation, they use the same colors gold, but yeah, they use, but red is they switch all the colors up though. They have red gold and they wear all black. Like the onesie. I can't stand the, the uniforms of the next generation, but um. <laughs> And I love how they use and the and the the shirts that they wear in this movie they only wore in the TV show, not in the movies, which I appreciated that as well too. They they kept it to the TV show and not just the movies. That's cool. Um, yeah. So yeah. overall, I appreciated the nod to the original. I I loved the nostalgia of it. Um, I was giddy the whole time I watched this for the first time in the movie theater. I believe I, it. I, lo- I loved every piece of it. Um, and I appreciate to, to both your point and to Lee's point, I appreciate what JJ Abrams did in he, he successfully took something that was 60 years old, made it new without destroying the original, without nerfing the original, he made it new and continued the storyline on, and they could actually continue a whole new TV show based off of this and not negate the originals. I always appreciate I always appreciate right. when a filmmaker is actually able to do something like that. You know, you, we in in this day and age where we see just remake after remake after remake and how a lot of them are done really poorly. It's refreshing to hear a fan of of this franchise actually give praise to something like this. So that's I think that's awesome. I think that's And to awesome. be honest, Absolutely. even looking at Star Wars, when we when we saw the original 3, and 20 years later or so, 20 years? Yeah, 20 years later, they bring the prequel out. You didn't get the same feeling with Star with Phantom Menace as you get with this movie. Um, no. With Phantom Menace... Do you, you remember... Into- hang, hang on. Do you remember when Phantom Menace came out? 
Oh, 100 percent. That yeah, was a that was a cultural phenomenon for like the first yep. year of that movie's released. Everybody, everybody gave it praise. Everybody loved it. It wasn't until years later where everybody's eh, there were problems. Like See, that didn't me, happen for I... a long time after. But when that movie first came out, it was like a bomb went off. See, I went to the theater my first time, and I was. I, I literally I went with my mom and my dad because this was back in the, my parents were both Star Wars. My dad more, but my mom went with us, and I sat there and I watched it and I went so. Darth Maul's gonna kill Qui Gon. Qui Gon's gonna kill. Uh, he's gonna kill. And then Obi Wan's gonna kill Darth Maul, and this is what's gonna happen. And I was, you know, halfway through the movie, because my mom had already seen it, and she's like, "How did you know?" I'm like. This is the entire trilogy in one movie. Right. Force Awakens was a new hope. Phantom Menace was the entire first trilogy in one movie. Um, And it was so predictable. And I went into it excited. And it was like when I saw Superman Returns. I went into it wicked excited and left kind of like, eh. I left Phantom Menace like, eh. Is it Star Wars? Yeah. Did I enjoy, you know, once I saw all 12 of them or nine of them, you know, it's okay. Um, But I did not leave the theater the same way I left when I watched this Star Trek movie the first time. This Star Trek movie, I left feeling like this was a great movie. The, 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 The special effects were leaps and bounds beyond Phantom Menace and I think beyond the, 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 um, sequel trilogy as well, too. Um, the 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 whole thing for me was just a thousand times better than the prequel all three prequel star wars movies i put this this trilogy above the prequel trilogy of star wars all absolutely day long. All absolutely day long. absolutely i'll put it above the prequel i'll put it above the sequels absolutely i 100% agree with you um one last thing that i want to leave, leave off with and it's always a question that i have whenever remakes like this are made in your opinion, did Chris Pine play a good Kirk as compared to Shatner? I think he did. Okay. And I think Zachary Quinto played a fantastic Spock. That was my next question. Um, okay. So the one thing I appreciated that I'm glad he did not do is he did not mimic the Shatner speech. <laughs> I'm glad he did not talk like this the entire time. Um, that I'm glad they left that with William Shatner because that's what made William Shatner James T. Kirk. Um, yeah. I love how they, because if you look at William Shatner back in the 60s and 70s, very much so. He was very similar and look and build and everything like that. Um I think if you compare him to original Shatner, he does a very good job. Okay. They just didn't do the speech, which I appreciate. They left they let that stick with Shatner and they didn't try to transpose that, which I appreciated. Yeah, everybody I, knows that. Everybody knows that cliche about the way that he talked in those movies and I can concur. I'm glad they did not do that. If they did, I would right. not have enjoyed this. Well, not even well, just in those movies, but they actually have a national holiday. It's international talk like, or yeah, an international holiday, international talk like Shatner Day, which was like what last month? 
Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. But even even the line when they're talking about when they're when they're going through who Nero is, and you hear Spock go, uh, what's the line? When he's talking about when you when you look at everything, whatever remains must be the truth. Yeah. That is a direct quote from one of the from one of the original Star Trek movies. That's cool. Which That's happens really cool. to be a direct quote from William Shakespeare. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, so, but it's and if you for me too, when you look over the history of Star Trek, so many big actors came out of it or went through it, um, and it's one of those things where it's like, like Tom Hardy was in Star Trek. He actually played a Picard clone. Um, Again, Christian Slater was in it. Um, What's his name who plays Christopher Lloyd is in Star Trek. There's a lot of big actors that have come in and through um, through it. And both parents from Seventh Heaven. Who? Both parents from Seventh Heaven. Sure. In there. Well, I mean, there's the whale one. And that was the mom, right? Yes, I forgot. Yes, when she goes, yes, I forgot about that. Yes, and then the original motion picture, the dad was in there. Yep, he was one of the crew members. Yep, yeah. Um, and well, there's right. there's a yeah, yeah. So, but even even next generation too. A lot of big fans went. A lot of big actors went through next generation as well too. So, but overall, I am so thankful and I'm so excited that you watched this and. You like it? No, I thank you so much, man. Because I never, I never had any desire. We and never want to cross that threshold. I never you know? had any desire to do anything or to watch anything Star Trek. It never tickled my fancy. It never even remotely crossed my mind. I always, I don't know what I thought. I just kind of always thought that it was corny or or a one fleeting moment I wanted to, and then I looked at it. I'm like, wow, this is a really big barrier to entry. Never mind. And I just kind of ignored it. And then, you know, this podcast, it's like, hey, I'm always open to watching new things. And I'm really happy that I watched this movie because I'm really happy yeah. that I watched this trilogy. It was fantastic. From top to bottom, that's, it was fantastic. I think and, that's really and that, cool. Yeah, and that shows how good of a job that J.J. Abrams did. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I give props to Abrams for, I mean, the the actors did great. I think the, the if I was to give credit to anybody in this trilogy, I mean... You're right, Lee. Um, Lynn something did the third movie, um, who did mm-hmm. all the Fast and the Furious, like the last three or four of them. That makes sense. Um, right. That's why there right. was a motorcycle uh, scene in that movie. Huh. Yep. yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I think Jay. I, I think the credit more so than the actors. The credit goes to J.J. Abrams in this for for launching something that. In and of itself, for a, for the average director, would be such a terrifying feat because you're looking at at this at this point in time, you're looking at 50, 60 years of history that if he did it wrong, he could have seriously pissed off a lot of people. It would have it like, would have it would have been it would have probably been not the end of his career, but it would have stifled. Oh, big time. It would have stifled his career. Big, big right. time if he messed this up. And I'm, again, I started out with this, and I'll end with this. I don't know what happened with Star Wars. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. It is mind-boggling. 
But I'm done. You said your uh, piece, Lee. Closing yep. thoughts on Star Trek. I I stand I stand the same place I stood before when I first saw it. I'm like, you know what? This is really well done, and it was in, it inspired me to go back and watch some of the original stuff. And I had a new a newfound appreciation for it. Um, and maybe after rewatching it now, I'll have more motivation to um to actually finish my my journey through the franchise. What I would love to do is at some point, because I don't want to do all the movies, but if we could do a podcast on First Contact, which is a Next Generation movie, we'll just do Mm -hmm. that one. That would just be a fun podcast to do too, but it would give you something to, once you go through the original original saga uh, and we get to First Contact, that would introduce you to Next Generation and it would just be a fun movie to watch. There is a lot of corniness to it because it's, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. But it's fun. It's fun though. 25 years ago, something like that it was mid nineties, hmm. late nineties. True. Um, and, but and sci-fi in the nineties was not, there's it's time travel. It First not, contact is all about time travel. It's all about time travel. Yep. Um, but it's fantastic. It's a great movie. My, so. my expectations are set very low because for whatever reason, like anything, <laughs> anything, Anything sci-fi that came out of the 90s, for whatever reason, it was like, hey, we know the technology isn't there yet, but we're going to try it anyways. Well, let's do it. It's like, yeah. It, it did yeah. not. That's because Schumacher tried that. <laughs> let's just make everything glowy and neon. Yeah. And then that ruined that whole thing for so many people. Um, But, yeah. I'm I'm good. I think that I'm, I I am more excited that you now like Star Trek more so than. <laughs> um, yeah, I thank you. And the fact that you and the fact that you're sitting here saying you prefer these movies over two thirds of the Star Wars saga is huge. <laughs> I mean, to put it up against the original Star Wars, I wouldn't. I, couldn't I do wouldn't that. go that far. I wouldn't. Go I couldn't that do far. that. I, I would don't even think put... there's any. I don't think there's any sci-fi movie I could ever watch that would rank above Empire. I don't think oh. that's possible. I I, right. I, I just don't. Right. Empire right. is like a. It's not just a good Star Wars movie. Empire is a fantastic movie. Period. I mean, I mean that's what life is, right? It's a series of down endings. Sure. <laughs> but I look at the way they did this movie, this trilogy is the same feeling I got when I watched Rogue One. Rogue One was that Mm. Star Wars movie that brought me back to that feeling, to, oh my gosh, look, I love how they connected it to A New Hope. It didn't take away from the original story. It added two. This movie did not take away from the original, even though Kirk's dad dies in this one, he didn't die in the original. Nothing took away from the original, especially from someone who... Literally, almost 40 years of fam. And nothing took away from the original for me. It was all still there. So I was appreciative of it completely. Okay. And I love... I, I can't get over the fact that you're now a Star Trek fan, to a degree. I am. Like, but like I said, <laughs> I probably... Like, I got the night off, so I'm thinking about watching Wrath of Khan tonight. So. At, yeah, at least enjoy it. Yeah. It's a fun movie. I it's I'm going to do that. It's a fun movie. Um, so, well, all right, you're back. Okay, uh, I think we're done. Yes, we are. We got through with this done. rather quickly. All right. Yeah. 
All right. That's it. All right. See ya. Have a good night, guys. Have a good one, everybody.